thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to The Healthy Exception with your host, Rachel Favilla. Hello, lovely ones, and welcome to The Healthy Exception, the podcast for teenagers choosing to be the healthy exception to the unhealthy rule. I'm your host, Rachel Favilla, and thank you so much for trusting me with your time and your ears today and for tuning in. And today on the show, I'm talking about some of my favorite rituals that just keep me happy and buoyant and lively and um, grounded and trusting, even when, you know, times get a bit stressful and hard. And a lot of these things you've probably heard of before, um, they've been talked about on other shows, you know, then they're quite um, trendy at the moment and popular and, you know, you've probably heard these um, certain phrases thrown around the place at a bit of time, you might already do some of these things. Um, but I want to go through each of them and talk about what they mean to me, how I use them and how I sort of um, make them my own rather than following rules or feeling like I have to overhaul my entire lifestyle and my entire day and the way I dress and the way I act um, just to fit these in. Because I think that, you know, things like meditation and mindfulness and you know, using oracle cards and essential oils. I love all of these things. I think that they're they're fantastic and they're life-changing and just beautiful. Um, But I also think that, you know, there's a bit of stigma still and stereotyping in terms of, you know, the the sorts of people we think use these. We're like, oh, do I have to start wearing 100% organic cotton hippie threads to start meditating? Do I have to walk barefoot all the time to really get in touch with mother nature? Or can I just sort of take the bits and bobs that work for me at the moment with my lifestyle, where I'm at personally, energetically, and, you know, get them to work for me so I can experience the benefits um, without the stress or, you know, putting pressure on yourself to completely change who you are. And I'll talk as we go along about some of the, you know, times where I've probably forced tried to force myself into being someone I'm maybe not 100% genuinely am um, because I thought, oh, well, if I'm doing this, I have to do this, this, and this also. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't want to do a too big an opening spiel. I want to dive right in and then I'll weave bits of, you know, my um, experience into this. So I'll start with affirmations. Um, and Melissa Fideli, who was on two fortnights ago and um, my good friend, um, we talked about affirmations quite a bit in her episode because they were one of the tools she used when she was really having a crisis of confidence. And I love affirmations. I think, you know, take away any sort of stereotype or stigma or preconceived ideas about them. And at the end of the day, they're just, they're really uplift. It's a really uplifting thing to do to affirm something to yourself that's really positive and really loving. Um, And it can, you know, the first few times you do it, like we said, it can sound a bit forced and it can sound a bit naff and you're like, oh, this sounds really cheesy and you can feel a bit uncomfortable about it. But after a while, you become used to it and it becomes very natural and eventually it becomes your new normal and whatever you keep repeating to yourself becomes your new reality. And I think that is a very powerful thing. Um, because we all have the power to say something kind to ourselves every day and over time it will become more genuine. Um, So when I started out, I think I was in a place where I just really needed affirmations. I was, um, how old was I? I was, I just turned 15 and I hadn't had a fantastic few years 
And I just was needing all the self-love I could possibly get. And so I didn't find it that hard to start off, um, you know, looking in the mirror and saying nice things to myself because I was in a very vulnerable place and I felt like I needed to be very gentle with myself and very loving. Um, And so it wasn't too hard for me to get started, but I do appreciate that um, if you're in a different headspace and you're coming from a different background, then, you know, to just pause and start, you know, looking yourself in the eyes in the mirror and saying something very genuinely to yourself like, I love you or you are a freaking amazing human being. It can sound a bit um, forced or a bit cheerleaderish, and it might make you feel uncomfortable. So, you know, a tip that I've, I've used at various times, because when I'm feeling, you know, um, oh, I don't know, but I've had times where I've just, I felt like, oh, this is a bit, you know, I feel like I'm a bit up myself for saying this stuff, and I can always pull myself back and go, right, it's okay to be nice to yourself. It's okay to think a bit of yourself, you know, like, if you don't think of it of yourself, will anyone else think that much of you? So it's okay. But I can, um, I've, I've, you know, had days where I'm like, oh, I just feel like I'm totally out myself or I'm tooting my own horn and, and am I, am I putting myself on a pedestal more so than I actually deserve to? And, you know, all of those self-limiting beliefs that prop up from time to time. Um, and the way that I deal with them and the way that I also make affirmations my own so I don't because naturally, I'm not always the most balanced, naturally calm person. I'm very flamboyant. I'm very loud and um, excitable. And so for me to, you know, get into a calm-centered space and talk to myself very gently, I, it just, it's not always going to come genuinely for me It's or naturally. It's going to be a feel a bit forced. And so on those occasions where it feels like I'm forcing it, um, the way I still get to do my affirmations but be a bit more playful with it and make it feel a bit more relaxed and informal is I'll just use a really silly voice. So, you know, you can use your Kath and Kim prude and shrewd voice. You can, um, I don't know, use a bit more of a slang African-American type voice like, damn girl, or something like that. Whatever works for you, just, you know, make, keep it light and playful. And I just want to say I'm not having a go at African-Americans. Like I just think their voice is really cool and it's, you know, become a bit of a meme sort of thing to say things in that voice. That's what I mean. I'm not having a dig at that accent at all. Um, you know, so big being playful, doing different accents, doing silly voices, um, you know, making silly faces in the mirror as you do it, it can just take that edge off and make it a little bit less serious and you can have a bit of fun and a laugh and a play with it. Um, Another thing you can do with your affirmations is, and this might sound a bit naughty, but I find it works really well, is that if you're just struggling and you're like, you know, saying I love you to myself or going your body is beautiful um, or, you know, it was what, like all of those simple things. There are so many affirmations out there. My life is perfect. Everything happens for a reason. All these different affirmations, if they sound a bit forced, they just don't sound like something you'd normally say and you, you feel a bit inauthentic saying it. Adding in a cheeky little swear word or slang word can really help. Sometimes I feel like the F word just substantiates something. And I know that some people don't feel comfortable around that with around that language, but for me, I don't see it as offensive personally. And I don't know whether I'm just desensitized because my family has, you know, we've got a history of having mouths on us, but I just find it, you know, it keeps it grounds it a bit more. It makes it it makes it real. So I will sometimes go. I fucking love you, Rach. You are fucking amazing. Or sometimes I feel like that sounds a bit rough, so I'll be like friggin' amazing and that works perfectly for me and it just 
I don't know, I think it sounds a bit more Aussie. It makes sounds a bit more me, the way I talk. I probably throw a few too many F-bombs into my general language. So it just, for me, it feels more authentic. And the more authentic it feels for me, um, the more comfortable I am doing it and the more naturally it comes. So it means I can be doing anything in my day. I can be doing odd jobs around the house. I can be getting dressed. I can be in the shower. I can be on a walk and I can say these under my breath or I can say them out loud. And I don't feel like I'm thinking too much about it or that I'm forcing it because I feel like I have to say my affirmations. It's just that I'm thinking, you know, I'm like, here's an opportunity to say something nice to myself. Let's do it. And the more I do that, the more I feel comfortable in my own skin and the more I feel like I'm my own best friend. And, you know, that has really helped me too in terms of when I'm alone. So if my mum and stepdad, you know, go away on a holiday together and I'm, you know, house sitting alone or if I, you know, I'm home alone all day by myself studying, instead of getting all lonely and despondent and feeling that, you know, that sense of isolation and depression, I can just start having a good old chinwag with myself and, you know, prepping myself up without feeling like I'm weird or, you know, crazy because I'm talking to myself or just feeling like I'm my own company. Um, so yeah, that's affirmations and yeah, making them work for you. So silly voices, slang terms, swear words, whatever works, just start talking, saying nice things to yourself and complimenting yourself. Really, that's what affirmations are. It's, it's either affirming something, um, or complimenting yourself out loud or under your breath or in your head, whatever works. And the more you do it, the more you'll start to believe what you're saying and the more confident you will feel. Um, manifestations is another ritual that I, I just, I love, I love manifesting. I think it's really, it's a really fun thing to do. It's the closest thing to magic I think I've ever experienced. And, you know, that's not to say that, um, uh, you know, I, I know some people are funny about the word magic because, you know, some people are very scientifically grounded and they're like, magic doesn't exist. And I'm not saying it does, but there's something sparkly about manifestation work um there are two so manifesting is basically putting something out there to the universe and hoping it'll come back to you so for me the two ways I manifest is I have a manifestation journal where I will write down something I really want in life um, as though it's already come true and I'll write down how I feel about it how I think about it what it's doing for me in my life you know virtually a little um, you know, a paragraph or two of, of like a short story about what my life is like because this has happened. And by using present tense language as though it's already come true or past tense language, like I did that, I got that, I achieved that, not I'm going to or I want to. It's somehow I feel like putting out to the universe, this is going to happen. This is part of my future. And I don't even know how it works, but I've experienced somehow maybe through the law of attraction or something that by doing that, it's actually worked and something that I've put out there in the present tense has eventually come true. And sometimes it's funny, I've written it down in my journal and I've even forgotten I've written it down and then I go back a year later and read through my journal and it's like, oh, actually, that, that happened. Wow, that's, that's interesting. Or I remember when I applied for um, my scholarship at the end of year 12 to study nutritional and dietetic medicine at Endeavour College of Natural Health and they only gave out three scholarships a year but I was so, I was probably a bit cocky at the time to be honest, I was so convinced that I was going to get it, um, I'd just, I'd gotten really good feedback from the admissions counsellor and um, 
or the student services person who um, got me to apply in the first place. All my friends and family were totally convinced I'd get it because they're like, you're so passionate about health, how could they not give it to you? And I think all of that positivity just sort of got me a bit carried away and I didn't actually um, get it the first time, but I had already written it down in my manifestation journal and the funny thing was that I, I'm pretty sure I was really disappointed when I didn't get it the first time around and I think I ripped that page out of my manifestation journal and then a month or so later one of the scholarship recipients actually um, withdrew her um, withdrew from the program and I was the next ultimate and so I got offered the scholarship and I and I took it and I just I, I mean I'll never know whether it was a coincidence or whether um it was had something to do with the manifestation journal but the fact that I'd written it down and put it out there to the universe as though it had already happened and it did end up coming true so that's one way to do manifestation work is to have a journal and write it down something else you can do too is um, have a vision board I love vision boards I think that's the creative part of me coming out um, they're really you know I, first of all just making a, um, a manifestation board can, or a vision board can be really um, just calming and relaxing. Like you just buy some magazines and you cut out pictures and words that you really like or, you know, I like to have a good play on Google Images and find pictures of, you know, beautiful places I want to go or, um, you know, my dream house. Like what's the kitchen going to look like? What's the bathroom going to look like? What's my bedroom going to look like? Things like that. Um, Lots of positive words. People you look up to, people you want to meet. You can you know, Photoshop yourself into pictures with them to be like, look, I'm going to meet them, anything like that. And then, um, you know, making a nice pretty collage and having that, you know, I, I have mine um, up on like a corkboard up, up on my wall and just, you know, I get to look at it every day and several things that I've put, I put on my vision, I made my vision board like uh, two and a half years ago and, you know, over time things that I put on there have come true. And again, do I know for sure whether it's a coincidence or whether it's the fact that I have a vision board that these things have come true? I don't. But I do believe the fact that I've been looking at those images and those words every day, I believe it's kept my level of manifestation high and has probably had, even if it's a very mild contribution, I feel like it has contributed to some of the amazing things that have happened in my life. And so that's manifestation. And, you know, again, it's about making it really works for you so you know if you don't have time to or the space or the finances to even buy a corkboard or anything you don't you know it it could just be as simple as getting a A4 piece of you know scrap paper and cutting things out of the newspaper or getting you know friends old magazines that you know they don't want anymore and making your own just like little one page um manifestation page and you can carry that around with you even just in your backpack or your handbag or um, stick it on the back of your toilet door so you're looking at it several times a day Um, you know you could even my friend um, Kim taught me this um, really clever ritual where you get a paper a piece of A4 paper and you fold it in half and you fold it in half and you fold it and you keep folding it in half until you have all these little squares and then in each square you write something you want to manifest. So again, you write it in the affirmative, so um, as though it's already come true. And then you can just file that piece of paper away. You can put it up somewhere on display. You can have it in your handbag. And you can just look at it every few days or every day, depending on how often you want to look at it. And just, you know, I feel like even that has some sort of law of attraction. And again, that's really quick and really easy and doesn't involve you spending any extra money 
or anything like that. So that's manifestation. Uh, mindfulness. Mindfulness is so trendy, isn't it? Like those coloring in books have taken off. And, you know, I think um, mindfulness is one of those things that it's just great to get into the habit of doing things mindfully. And I'm probably, that's what I found works for me is that I don't really want to dedicate, you know, go, okay, I'm going to spend this 10 minutes of my day meditating and this 10 minutes of my day doing yoga and this 10 minutes of my day being mindful. I'd rather incorporate mindfulness into all the activities that I'm already doing. And that doesn't mean I'm mindful every second of every day. Um, But what I found is I've probably, I started being mindful, probably um, like really mindful about, like I did bits and pieces beforehand, but I've probably been mindful every single day for the past two years. And for me, being mindful is reflecting on the sort of person I am when I'm by myself and when I'm with other people. And if I notice things that are coming from a place of fear or aren't feeling genuine or I'm feeling threatened around certain people or I'm not getting a good vibe off them or I've said something that's a bit nasty or done something that's a bit unkind, you know, being reflective and mindful of that and sort of trying to you know, go, well, okay, where did that, where did that emotion come from? Why was I threatened? Why did I feel the need to do that? And by doing that, I feel like I've learnt um, lessons and I've grown as a person. And I know this sounds all a bit new age and spiritual and like I'm talking about some sort of spiritual journey, but I, I honestly mean it by being mindful of my behavior and my words and my thoughts and just every day and just checking in with myself. Um, I do feel like I've become a better person and I know I've still got, um, you know, work to do. I'll never stop having work to do in that department, but I love being mindful every day. And so for me, it's little things like, um, just taking a moment on the loo, just to breathe. You know, if I'm at my computer, just taking, you know, every 20 minutes or so, just stopping, breathing, stretching, you know, checking my posture, bringing my shoulders up, back and down, doing some shoulder rolls so that I'm aware of the way I'm standing so I'm not getting really stiff. Um, you know, when you're washing up, just focusing on each dish that you're, watch, that you're washing up, um, you know, focusing on your breathing, just whatever you can do within your daily activities that's reflective and getting back to the present moment and just observing yourself, observing your breath, it's just... It calms you and it ma- I, do, I do believe that it makes you feel more productive and it makes you feel more centered and you notice more things about yourself and by noticing more things about yourself, you can decide whether you want to change things about yourself, improve things, um, not in an inauthentic way, like going, I want this image, I'm going to chase that image, but going, you know what, I don't feel like I need to be this stressed or I need to be this anxious about that. Or I don't need to hold myself that tightly. I don't need to be this busy. And by being reflective, I think that's, and being aware, that's the first part of change. And for me, that works a lot better than going, I have to do 10 minutes of coloring in a day, or I have to do 10 minutes of just focusing on my breath every day. Because for me personally, that's very quickly going to become quite quite drudgery, quite um, regimented. I'm going to feel like if I haven't done it, I've failed. I don't want to feel that pressure. And it's not practical. If I can be mindful while I'm washing up, if I can be mindful when I'm on a jog, if I can be mindful when I'm at the gym, then I'm killing two birds with one stone essentially. And the more mindful I am in one activity, generally the more mindful I will be in the next several activities I partake in. Um, And I do find that because I'm the personality type that is very flighty and excitable and flamboyant, it's really good for me to be mindful because it calms me down a bit and gets me 
to sort of go into myself where maybe I've got this happy Pollyanna giant type aura, which is very genuine and natural. But I think sometimes I just get caught up in being the happy, positive person that I am. And it almost becomes, I feel like sometimes a bit of a, a mask between how I might actually be feeling deep down. So yeah, mindfulness really can be as simple as just noticing how you feel in the moment. It really doesn't have to be any more complicated than that. It doesn't, you don't have to do an e-course or go to a health retreat or buy a whole lot of books or, um, you know, audio CDs on it. I mean, you can if you want to, but it really can be as simple as getting in tune with yourself in the moment. Um, and you do not, you do not have to put any sort of hippie Zen med- um, connotations on it. It can just be <sighs> taking a breath. Oh, my shoulders are a bit stiff. Okay. I'm going to, work on that. Um, oh, I've got a bit of a headache. Oh, I didn't even realize I had a headache. I'm going to go drink some water. That's mindfulness. Um, meditation is almost a extension of mindfulness. And again, I think it's something that there is a lot of stigma around and it's getting less. Um, you know, a lot of doctors and psychologists now are recommending um, meditation because there's, there's been more studies done on all of the, all of the benefits, which is fantastic. Um, I remember though, I used to think that to do meditation, I had to completely become a hippie. I had to wear, you know, those flowy hippie dresses and my dream catcher earrings and big crystal rings and be barefoot and do it outside in nature and do it for X amount of time, you know, do it for X amount of minutes per day. And, you know, like I felt like I had to be that stereotypical yogi um, image. And what I've found is that there's, I, like there is, I, there's always been a part of me that is a little bit hippie. Like I've always really been into essential oils and crystals and I do like the long flowy dresses and how free they make me feel. And I am a bit of a sucker for feathers and dream catches, but at the same time, I'm very active. I'm very practical and I'm very sporty. And so it's not practical for me to always have chunky jewelry on. It's not practical for me to always be barefoot. It's not practical for me to always be in beautiful long flowy hippie threads with flowers in my hair because I'm going to the gym or I'm going for a walk or I'm going for a run or I've got a whole lot of housework to do or something like that and I just need I need to be my active wear because that's what makes me feel most comfortable and I need to have my sneakers on so that I can just you know get up and go um and so for me I as much as like when I don't have anything else on I love getting my hippie and zen on and really getting into my fun costumes but um I've worked out that there's a big difference between that and meditation. Meditation is honestly just bringing your mind to focus on just one thing, even if it's just for one minute a day, just to calm down the nervous system. And it can be a whole lot of different things. So, you know, some people really, you know, go holus bolus and they want to go study meditation or they want to buy an, um, a CD and do that same meditation every day. Some people have an app. Some people have a favorite meditation that's on YouTube, like a guided meditation, and they'll do that. And other people just, um, you know, will light a candle and just focus, focus on their breathing and just look at the candle for, you know, three minutes and try and focus on nothing else but the flame or put on some really soft, mellow, chilled music and just listen to the, just, and focus only on the music. You know, I love doing that with classical music because you can just focus on the strings of the violin or focus on the keys of the piano. And whenever you notice your mind drifting off, you can just bring them. You, you, it's not a judgment thing. You're not like, oh my God, I had a thought that's, I failed. I have to start again from scratch. It's just about going, okay, yep. My mind's not as quiet as I thought it was. That's okay. Back to the piano key. And then, you know, 
10 seconds later, you have another thought. Okay, that's all right. And um, something I love that one of my um, my body balance teacher, Dawn, actually says when she does our meditation at the end of class, she goes, it's okay. Whenever you have a thought, just, to, just wrap it in a cloud and watch that f- cloud um, float away. And for me, that I know it sounds a bit airy-fairy, but for whatever reason, that really helps me. Um, you know, wrapping that thought up in a cloud and watching it drift away, it's like bringing some closure to that. And then I can bring myself back either to the silence or to the music. Um, something else I love is singing a singing bowl meditation. So if you could get some audio of a singing bowl, and all you do it, um, with those is that for x amount of time that you want to spend meditating you're just focusing on the sound of the singing bowl Um, and those tempos change all the time they'll be high and they'll be low and you just sort of follow the sound Um, and that can be a great way to get take you know get out of yourself Um, if you're a bit more wriggly and active like I am you know I'm not someone that really enjoys sitting still for all that long Um, plus sitting up straight I find it quite difficult I find I have to have something behind me um, just to keep my um, posture like well and my back straight is um, doing some like really restorative yoga poses so maybe lying in um, savasana which is corpse pose so just flat on your back Um, and maybe putting a yoga bolster or a few rolled up towels underneath your knees Um, maybe hugging your knees into your chest maybe doing um, buddha kanasana so that's where you have your knees butterflied out to the side and the soles of your feet touching um, so your legs sort of make a diamond shape and you can do that sitting up or you can do that lying down with your arms um, overhead and each hand to the opposite elbow. That can be a really beautiful restorative pose, a, um, a, a seated twist or a um, lying down twist where you are lying flat on your back and then you bring your knees to one side and sometimes by just putting yourself into one of those asanas or yoga postures you feel like you're still doing something for your body and it can help um, relax you and, and just release any tension that might be in your body so that you can quiet your mind. I often find for me that um, the thing that I struggle with most in meditation is that you know I'll have a kink somewhere in my body and I'll, I will feel like I need to release that kink. So I Often when I meditate, I'm doing some sort of yoga pose because that's where I feel um, my most comfortable in that moment. And when my body is comfortable and my body doesn't have anything that needs um, doing to it, like I don't need to pee, I don't need to take a dump, I don't, I need to have a drink, or I'm not hungry, I'm not in pain, or I'm not stiff, that's where it's every, all my physiological needs are met and then that's where I can just let everything go and relax. So... Again, it's about making meditation your own. You don't have to become a certain person to start meditating. It can be as simple as lighting a candle and just looking at the flame for one minute and just finger thinking of nothing else but that candle. That can be your meditation. Um, to as, you know, going up to just 10 minutes of lying in silence, trying to not have a thought or doing a guided meditation, whatever, honestly, whatever works for you. Um, and if, you know, if, even if that feels like too much, um, just focusing on one thing for a whole minute, you know, if you're, like I said, with the mindfulness thing, if you're um, a jogger or you like going on walks, just not taking your headphones and just getting into the rhythm and focusing on your breath as you jog or as you walk or, you know, going for a walk at sunrise or sunset and just watching the sky change, that can be your form of meditation. Really anything that calms you, relaxes your nervous system and recharges you so that, um, you know, the best way to know whether you've achieved 
you know, a decent meditation session is if you're feeling a bit all floppy and droopy and zened out, like almost like yoga stoned or meditation stoned. So you're just feeling really calm and serene afterwards and very grounded and balanced where maybe before you were a bit more um, aroused and um, driven and, you know, like quite your energy was quite heightened. If it's really relaxed you, then that, at the end of the day, that's the goal. The goal is to have that beautiful, calm feeling. And so however you achieve that, it really doesn't matter as long as you, at the end of the day, getting those benefits. Um, the next thing I want to talk a little bit about is essential oils. I love essential oils. I am, I'm a sucker for a really nice smell. And I think the reason I am so into essential oils is because, um, you know, I had a liver... I've had a liver disease since I was a young teenager and one of um, the things that happens when your liver isn't working properly is your detoxification pathways go out the window and so I'd always been someone who really loved you know a nice body spray or scented candle or perfume or you know all those nice smelling things and all of a sudden um, after I got diagnosed with my liver disease I couldn't handle the smell of perfume anymore I couldn't handle deodorants or scented candles or anything like that they made me feel sick um you know I had to get rid of the oil the stick oil diffuser from my room I had a whole lot of beautiful expensive perfumes that had been gifts and I just I had to give them away I, I couldn't wear them anymore um and I really I, ha- I virtually had to get into essential oils um because I still wanted to enjoy nice smells but I couldn't handle the um chemical toxic versions that are in fragrances and this was actually a really positive thing for me because these things are quite harmful to your health whether you've got a liver disease or not Um, so I think I was almost lucky that um, I went through that because I got to learn better but I I fell in love with essential oils and just how simple they were Um, something else when I had my liver disease was I didn't sleep very well I had quite bad insomnia and I found by just putting some lavender or rose oil on my pillow that would calm me a bit um if I was having, you know, a rough night or if I was feeling anxious about something or quite low, it would just, it would calm my nervous system down so I could nod off to sleep. And that was really how I got into it. And then um, my first year of uni, I decided to um, do a, an online education course all around the power of essential oils. And I just, I wouldn't be without them. And for me, they're just some one of those tools that I can have, um, and they can just change my mood so quickly. So, you know, if I need a bit more energy, I will grab my lime essential oil or anything um, sort of citrusy and zesty. If I need to calm, I'll get something floral-based. If I need something very grounding, I'll get like sandalwood or rosewood, um, a very earthy sort of essential oil. And I just love having a collection and having a play with them. And the cool thing about essential oils is that you don't have to study them. Uh, you don't really have to understand them. Um, you just have to use your intuition. So if something smells good for you, to you, use it. You know, put it on a tissue and have it with you throughout the day. Get an essential oil diffuser and, you know, um, either an electric one or just a candle one and um, diffuse essential oils. You know, you can add a few drops um, to your load of washing and so all your clothes will smell like, and your sheets and pillowcases will smell like essential oils. Um, they're just a beautiful tool and they can change your emotions instantly. It only takes two seconds really for you know your body to register the smell of an essential oil. And the cool thing is they've done studies and even people that 
have lost their sense of smell or don't have a very good sense of smell still get the benefits. Somehow their body still registers the power of that smell. Um, and, you know, it, uh, going beyond essential oils, you know, finding any sort of smell, natural smell, not, I wouldn't really recommend scented candles or cleaning products because they are quite artificial, but, you know, even food smells, like something I find that really relaxes me and calms me down is um, the smell of chocolate, um, particularly like raw cacao. So for me, that's my one of my favorite rituals. If I'm really stressed or anxious or I've had a really busy day and I've just got all this excess energy, I'll go to the pantry and I'll open the jar of raw cacao powder and I'll just stick my nose in and I'll have a good whiff for like 10 deep breaths. And after those 10 breaths, I am so zen. I feel so much better. It's foolproof and it's the power of smell. Um, it's just incredible. And again, it, you don't have to, like I said, you don't have to become an expert walking in psych encyclopedia on essential oils. It's just about going to the pharmacy or the health food store, wherever you want to go to buy them, um, just making sure they're 100% pure essential oils, smelling the testers and just finding what works for you on that day. And you're going to have different days where different things smell nice. So having a, a good collection and you know slowly building that collection up just means that you'll be equipped with a whole range of different oils for different days and different uses. Um, you know, the most simple way to use them is that a, as a perfume, just dabbing a few bits on your neck and on your wrists um, instead of perfume. Not only are you avoiding all the chemicals from your regular perfume, um, but, you know, you've also got the therapeutic benefits of that essential oil. Um, crystals are something else I just love to have a play with, and I actually don't know heaps about crystals. I've got a few books on them, and I've got heaps of them that I collect, um, but I'm really not that well-read um, or educated about crystals. I just love sort of um, having my collection, buying the ones that I think are pretty, and then, you know, from day to day, just, you know, choosing, you know, a handful of the ones I feel drawn to and putting them under my pillow at night. Or yesterday I had an exam and I just, I, you know, there were four stones that I was immediately drawn to. And I took them with me and I had them on my desk as, as I was writing my exam. And I don't know, but having them there, I just felt really comforted by them. And so, I, like I said, I'm not, and I will, I do want to look into crystals a bit more um, in future just for my own education, but I haven't really got around to it yet, but I have been playing with them for years. And I kind of like just being, um, having them and being intuitive about them. And um, what I really love about crystals is that they're just pretty and you don't have to understand them in depth to use them and they're just there's something about holding them they're very smooth they've got that nice cooling um I don't know what it, it's like bringing oh okay it's sorry I know what it is got a bit carried away there I'm thinking of the right word it's like bringing nature indoors it's like bringing a part of a garden or part of a mountain or part of the ocean or something indoors it's like I don't know even though maybe you're surrounded by four walls, you can't actually see outside because, you know, you're in a lecture theatre or you're, you know, if you're sick and you're in hospital, just having an essential oil and holding it close to yourself, for some reason, it makes me feel loved. And I don't know whether that's a placebo effect. I feel like crystals are very calming and energising and grounding, so I feel like that when I hold it. But I, I just feel comforted by, it, by them. And, you know, at the end of the day, I guess... If that's how I feel about them, does it really matter whether, you know, it's all in my head or whether it's actually a real thing? You know, I don't think it does. At the end of the day, you know, how easy is it to go out to the shop, you know, somewhere like Karma Living or one of those, um, you know, actual crystal um, 
you know, meditation type shops, just, you know, pick a few that look really pretty to you or, you know, some often they'll have the meanings just above the crystal and you can read about them and choose the ones that resonate with you or often the shop owner will know quite a bit about them. You can do research online. Just having them there and just carrying them around with you, having them in your pocket, girls, putting them in your bra, you know, having them on your table when you're taking exams, just things like that. Um, you know, it can just, it can be that little thing, almost like the adult version of a blankie or a teddy. It can just be that little bit of security. And again, it doesn't mean you have to change your image, your entire personality. You know, you don't even have, if you're a bit like, you know, you think your mates would pay you out for it a bit, you know, just have it in your pocket. They'd never have to know it's there. I think for like a whole year of high school, I had leopard skin jasper and malachite um, in my tracksuit pocket. And I don't think anyone ever knew that they were there. I just sort of had them there and I, I felt better about myself. I felt like they were cleansing me all the time. Um, biophilia. Biophilia is um, probably my most favorite daily ritual and it relates to the healing power of Mother Nature. And I, I've always loved nature and being outside, but I'd never heard of the word biophilia until my um, one of my favorite people in the whole world, Lola Berry, um, used the word and talked about how much she loves nature. And it just completely resonated with me and it, it really helped me to understand why I love swimming in natural waters so much, why I love being surrounded by trees, why I love, you know, running around and cartwheeling barefoot on the grass, why I love putting my feet on the sand, um, and why most of us do. It's the whole idea that nature has that therapeutic, healing, calming, grounding effect. It, you know, release, helps us to release oxytocin, which is a feel-good hormone. Um, and, you know, it's one of those things that can be as hard or as simple as you want to make it. You know, biophilia can be as simple as getting some vitamin D, you know, going outside and getting some sun or um, instead of studying inside, just taking your books and lying on your tummy on the grass. Um, it can be, you know, going, if you've got a, ro- a flower garden or a rose garden, you know, taking time to smell the roses, um, having a little herb garden um, on the weekends or after school or wherever, you, whenever you have time, you know, going to the beach or going to the park, just spending as much time in nature as possible. If you ever get the chance to go camping, to do that. Um, and I don't think I need to talk too much about this one because I think we all know how good we feel when we go outside. And even um, I think the point I would like to make, though, is um, making an effort to go outside even when the weather isn't perfect. Um, I think, you know, it's all very well when it's a beautiful 27-degree sunny day and everything's lovely. Um, but then, you know, winter comes and it's freezing cold and it's raining and it's thunderstorms and we often, you know, that's where a lot of people get vitamin D deficient in winter. I mean, yes, we're not, obviously, we're just not going to be outside as much. Yes, we are covered up a lot more so our skin isn't exposed to the sun as much. But I think just in general, people aren't getting outside as much in winter. So, you know, there's something very cleansing about going for a walk in the rain. So I encourage you to, you know, sort of just pick a time, even when the weather's not perfect, and get into the habit of going, I know that it's raining or I know that it's quite windy and cold, but I'm going to go outside anyway to prove to myself that I can so that the next time I'm not feeling motivated to and the weather's not perfect, I still go outside. Um, If you can hear all the wind and trees around me right now, I'm doing this podcast outside because I thought what better way to do a podcast on rituals than to include some biophilia in the whole energy of the podcast. Um, And just two more I'd love to talk about and I will, then I will wrap up because I know that otherwise this episode will be a bit too long and you might shut it off before it's finished. Um, So another thing that um, is a great ritual to have that you can make your own is kindness. 
just being kind, being an, being a lovely person and working on that. And, you know, I don't think any of us set out not to be lovely people, but there's something that I just, I just love knowing that I've made a difference to someone's day. It makes me feel so good. And it doesn't have to be about being false. It doesn't mean that you are so over-the-top lovely to everyone that it comes across as a bit airy-fairy. And this is where bringing your own, you know, your own sense of self into it comes in handy. But just thinking of ways that you can go out of your way in the day to make someone else's day. So something, the most simple thing, I reckon, is to smile at strangers. Just give everyone a smile. Like, you know, smile, because if I, I smile, I feel happy. If I smile at someone else and they smile back, I feel even happier. And sometimes, honestly, your smile to someone else might be the best thing that happens in their day. And it doesn't cost anything. It takes a whole lot less muscle activity than frowning or scoffing does. So just smiling at someone. Um, you know, someone who's sick or going through a rough patch, just, you know, making them um, a meal or, you know, a batch of homemade muffins or, you know, cookies um, from healthy ingredients, of course, because we don't want to put inflammatory ingredients into their systems if they're already a bit low or down. Um, you know, picking someone a flower, writing someone a card just because you love them, sending, you know, you know, sending your friends text messages or Facebook messages, just reminding them of how much they mean to you because I think it's very easy to get into the habit of taking people in your life for granted so just letting them know and all these things can be done very genuinely very easily and you know the sky's the limit you can be as creative or as basic as you want to with this with this sort of stuff just making someone else's day and being genuinely nice and you know when it, you know going back to the mindfulness thinking of other ways that you can you know be a better person be a kinder person give more love more, um, be more open to love, not be so controlling, you know, um, with your pets, I, you know, that, um, spending time with your pets is almost probably a little bit under the banner of biophilia because pets are a part of nature. And I think, um, and I'm saying this because I'm very guilty of this. I take my cats for granted probably too often. And it's something I really do want to work on. And I think it's just because I've had them for so long. I'm used to them being there. And, you know, sometimes they'll want to cuddle, but I'll have an assignment to do, or I'll have all these jobs around the house to do, or I'll have to go somewhere or do something or, you know, something or other. And, you know, I really, then I get to the end of the day and I think, you know what, when my pets die, I'm really going to regret just not scooping them up and having a bit of a cuddle or, you know, getting a toy and just a toy mouse and just playing with them for five minutes. So, and you know, that's an act of kindness as well, being kind to your pets. Um, and that can make you happy as well. So, um, I don't know how exactly I went from kindness to there, but I suppose it's all related. We're just going to go with it. I just wanted to, um, give that reminder there. Um, and finally, um, oracle cards. Oracle cards are, probably like that next step up there because you actually have to go out and purchase something for this um, ritual. But I, I'm i a sucker for a good oracle card reading. I, I really enjoy having a play with my decks. So oracle cards are just basically cards with beautiful illustrations that have messages on them. And then there's a guidebook that goes with that deck of cards. So you often, um, you'll shuffle, so you'll um, get the cards, you'll shuffle them a few times, you'll hold them in your non-dominant hand and then with your dominant hand you'll knock on the card of decks just to put your own energy into it and then you can, um, generally I'll, I like to fan out the cards and then just close my eyes and wave my hands over the top of them and f 
choose whatever cards I feel drawn to. And it might be one, it might be three, it might be five, it might be two or four. It really doesn't matter how many, however many I feel drawn to taking. And then I get go to the guidebook and I read the message that corresponds with that oracle card. And sometimes I'll ask the cards a question. I'll be like, and sometimes it'll be as simple as saying, what do you want me to know? Other times it'll be like, I'm feeling really anxious about, I'm feeling uneasy about, I don't know which decision to make. Could you please offer me some guidance? Something like that. And just see, and I'll just see what I pick up. And it's amazing how many times I've done things like this. And I've gotten cards that have really set me on the straight and narrow and just given me that bit of restored faith or trust or optimism that I've needed to get through a hard situation. Um, so the, my favorite, um, I like to use the uh, Doreen Virtue decks. Um, and you can get them at bookstores, at places like Karma Living or online. Um, but there are so many other wonderful decks you can get as well. So you don't have to be too choosy. Just, um, you know, maybe go out there, have a bit of a shop around and find a deck that works for you and maybe start collecting them. And, you know, it's a very personal thing. There's no right or wrong way to do it. And I find that, again, it sort of comes back to the whole crystal thing. Whether you want to 100% believe in it or not, it's about how it makes you feel. And if it makes you feel more grounded and trusting and centered and safe, at the end of the day, that's that's the point. The same with meditation. Does it matter exactly how it works or how you're doing it? And are you following ancient practices or are you putting your own spin on it? As long as you're getting that same outcome of feeling happy and grounded and safe and calm, then at the end of the day, that's the point of all of these rituals is to be happy and calm and the best version of yourself. And yeah, so just before I sign off, just reminding you that these rituals can all be whatever you want them to be. You don't have to fully educate yourself about all of them. You don't have to fully dive into understanding everything perfectly. You don't have to do them all at once. You honestly just have to find things every day that make you stop and center yourself and turn off that sympathetic dominance of your nervous system and turn on the parasympathetic, the rest and digest, the part of your nervous system that lets you know everything in your body regenerate so that you don't get sick, you don't get tired, you don't get run down and you have more energy to give to all the activities you love. So I hope that this podcast hasn't jumped around the place too much and that it's made sense and that you've maybe been inspired to try one, a few or all of the above um, mentioned rituals and that you've really gotten the message that you don't have to change the entire person you are to start doing them. You don't have to become a hippie if you want to, you know, and it's too if you want to try on a bit of those, you know, the hippie look, if you want to, you know, maybe pin up some um, dream catchers around your room, if that seems like something you want to experiment with, then that's absolutely fine. Um, but it's also about knowing you don't necessarily have to do that to be open to this. There's no right or wrong. Okay, um, I'll stop raving. I'll leave it there and I will catch you in a fortnight's time. Okay, bye lovely ones. Be well. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.